0: Welcome back to another episode of Bopcast, where it is my job to interview outliers who are breaking the mold regardless of the status quo. And today on the show, I have my friend Julian Dory. Julian Dory is a content creator, a podcaster, and he's somebody that I actually met through a mutual friend. I realized that after the last episode. Um, And I mentioned the last episode because this is part two of two episodes. My power went out while we were recording the first one, but I was luckily able to recover the file. So now we have both versions. So today I'm bringing you part two, both wide ranging conversations, just touching on different topics. And I really enjoyed talking about crypto, NFTs, the metaverse, how he built his empire of 500,000 followers for his podcast, all of this today in part two. So I appreciate you tuning in for Julian Dory part 2. If you are listening on Spotify please leave us a rating. It's at the top of the page if you're on mobile and if you're on Apple please leave us an honest review of the show and subscribe if you enjoyed it Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Bobcast. Please enjoy today's episode with my friend Julian Dory. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Bopcast. Today on the show, I have my guy, Julian. Dory, how are you, man? I'm good, man.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Anytime. This is a very fast deja vu happening right now. Um, there
1: is. For, pe- for people that don't know, we were recording for about... 90 minutes, and the electricity in the entire place went out, so we're taking this
0: from the top. We're taking it from the top, man, but hey, that's the game. We're in media. This is what happens when you don't have a proper... You think your backup is backed up, but it's not even a backup. Your backup didn't even work.
1: I thought you were fucking with me when I came back upstairs. Like, I oh, it's gone. I like, yeah, that's funny. I,
0: I was... <laughs> dude, I wish I was fucking with you, man, but um, anyway, before we go into your story, I just want to, since we're here, okay, imagine... This is impo- absolutely impossible. But if you could just sit down with people, no cameras, no mics, whatever. Like, do you enjoy that? T- you must enjoy that yes. conversation naturally. Oh, yes. yes. That I love. Yep.
1: that, Because that's what I did. That was my my job, as I said, encompassed a little bit of everything. But going out there and meeting people, just spending time around New York City, getting yourself into crazy situations, learning about what's actually out there, seeing, learning where the world's really going when you do that. Are there also, any
0: notable situations that you could speak on or... It's, if not, no worries. We'll keep going.
1: Yeah, I remember there's one I like. There, there's plenty of them, but there's one I, I thought was just really symbolic. I got tight through Mitch and Mike. I got tight with a guy who was one of the earliest people to cryptocurrency. He was fucking mining Bitcoin in 2011, 2010 in his dorm room. He was at 22. He ran the first global blockchain project for IBM. <laughs> you know, he had the guy who invented Java working for him on the team crazy shit and like the most unassuming low-key dude with a personality too like he wasn't like some coder like a full package in that way quiet and and relaxed kind of guy and sloan Brakeville is his name good friend to this day great guy but when i started meeting with him he was i don't want to get into the full thing but he really got fucked over during the 2018 bear market for people that weren't involved or don't know what was going on in crypto back then there was a big thing with ICOs especially like through Ethereum and stuff like that where companies would have tokens to run them and it became the way that you went public with a blockchain idea and unfortunately like anything else craze rushed to money bull market you know everyone ran to the market and they were selling shit and so guys who had legitimate visions like Sloan got fucked you know, because they were just looped in with everyone else. And he had a business partner who, nice guy, but he got hooked up with him. The guy was not a tech guy and he was a talker. He was a, he was a sales guy. Right. And in fairness to him, like it should have been like a yin and yang. Right. But when there were a couple things that went wrong during the bear market where some poor decisions were made. And so I got connected with Sloan when he had to take over the whole thing and he, he didn't want that. He didn't want to, he's like, I just want to build, right? I don't want to be the CEO, like all this, all this shit. He was like, he was the co-founder and he got to be on the building side, let John worry about business. And so I talked business with everyone. That's like one of my strengths. I understood again, who did what, why, and who talked to who and why making connections, understanding that. So it was natural to, to get connected with him. And, you know, he was like, kind of almost ask him, he's. Like such a humble dude. He's like almost asking my advice on some stuff straight up. And I'm, I'm like, do you know what you're doing? Like what you're in the middle of? Like why the fuck are you – you know what I mean? Like yeah. why are you even asking me about that? But I appreciate the relationship. And so I remember walking into a conference with him. He's like, hey, I got one in Midtown because he had offices in San Francisco and Manhattan. And so when he'd be in Manhattan, he's like, I'm going to a low-key conference with some big insiders – he didn't say it like that, of course. But he's like, I'm going to this conference or whatever. On on Friday, I want you to come in and come with me. I'm like, okay. So I go with him. And there were a bunch of people there who effectively built this space. Like they were the early brilliant people who said, fuck it. With like Silicon Valley, all due respect, they got enough. We're going to go right to crypto. And we see where this is going. And mind you, this is like... September October 2018 we're getting near the bottom of where the fucking market was and I went in there listened to a bunch of these guys talk it was a low-key type event maybe 100 150 people there in one of the sky one of the skyscrapers in New York and we're walking back from the conference to his offices maybe a couple miles away afterwards and I just realized I'm like holy fuck this is happening like this, my whole world. I use this example because my whole world is the legacy banking system. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? We're not even allowed to talk about Bitcoin to our clients. I just went in there with a bunch of people who are a billion times smarter than anyone I work with, and I'm not even—that's not even disrespecting people I work with, right? Like other teams who worked around me and stuff. It's like these people are some of the smartest people on planet Earth. They're all in a room in the biggest metropolitan area. Like incognito during a time where no one's the word crypto's a joke at this point, and there wasn't even a stutter in what they said. There was no they were impervious to what was going on outside. They were just fucking building. and I'm like, okay, something's happening mm. like like i I was very interested in crypto, and I was not one of these people who abandoned it when it went down like i was I remained very like. No, I think there's really something here. But that was like a huge eye opener where I'm saying to myself, you better bet on this space
0: because the, ta- the talent is going there. Do you think there is an over hype of it? You, are you happy with how crypto is portrayed and used and bought and sold at this point and coming from seeing some of the first people use it and how they built it and what they did? Do you think now it's, and I'm projecting my own views, on a pedestal, so to say, like what are your thoughts on the current state of, there's there's no doubt that it's been, if it hasn't been overhyped, it's been hyped, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. So, number one, it depends what aspect of crypto you're talking about. Let's use NFTs as an example. I'll throw a generalizing percentage on it, but you need to assume 90% of NFTs are complete and utter criminal bullshit. Like literally. Like liter- like what Ty Lopez did the other day with his top line stuff. I guess it's not criminal. But
0: maybe it's Can you speak on that at all? I don't know where you're referring yeah, to. Yeah,
1: like he was like <laughs> he joined the NFT space and was selling shit for like seventeen ETH, like Sit down and and have a beer with me, or like I went through my bookcase and found some old pencils or shit, and you'll get that by buying this and cent- like, and it's fucking disgusting. Now, is a criminal? Maybe not, because being honest, being honest about everything, people you don't love have it. to buy it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People buy it. That's their problem. Yeah. But like, will you see grifter ass? bullshit like that? Yes, you will. Will you see people you've never heard of get big for doing fucking nothing, but like something happens where they become a meme or or, you know, they they just kind of like what they say, like they rug people. Yes, you're going to see that. You need to look at things and assume bullshit. But like I use the NFT example because do I think NFTs have concepts that are absolutely potential keys to Unlocking yourself in whatever the metaverse is going to develop into looking like, mm-hmm. absolutely, it gives you access. That's a,
0: half the reason. Wait, can we can we talk? Let's go. Let's get basic. Then, yeah. do you think metaverse is gonna catch on? Like, like what? In what way will it access access to things on the metaverse? You're saying I'm trying to go as basic as possible here yes, because yes. for me, okay, smart, I'll smart. let me lay down foundations of where I'm at. Yeah, Bitcoin. Listen, I'm not a huge, I'm not a massive Peter Schiff fan. I know you probably know who he is. Um, he yeah, has not, his not,
1: I don't like Peter Schiff. Yeah, he
0: has his thoughts on Bitcoin. I watch a Peter Schiff podcast and I watch a pro Bitcoin podcast. I try to stay. No, that's good. Right? That's great. So, exactly. I need, but that's how my brain works. Okay, I don't the the quote unquote down the downsides that I see, I don't like. Um, but I'm comparing him them to things I. I know already. So right. comparing them to stocks and things like that, and and, and and being able to invest your money in a company that's backed a stock that's backed by a company, etc.
1: Let's keep this simple. Let's before go. We before we get carried away. First of all, yes. I love yeah. how you put that because, by the way, I have listened to Peter Schiff on podcasts. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever listened to his show, but I have. Listened no, I've to never him listened to his show, and either. I don't like him because I think he's a grifter, grifting off of. Taking attention by being such a ridiculous bear on the entire thing uh, and being yeah. a boomer, I think he's. So
0: you're saying that he might not even have those opinions on Bitcoin itself? It's just a strip part of his strategy, kind of overall.
1: Yeah, I'll bet he does have a lot of those opinions, though, because I, I think dare. he he repeats it to himself so much that he believes it.
0: Yeah, but you know, there
1: I like people who are legitimate, like not attention whoring bears, mm-hmm. even if I disagree with them. Because by the way. I can't stand, like, Bitcoin maxis. Like, I hate that shit. The people who, once you become trapped into an ideology, which, Mm -hmm. let's get it straight, whether it's money or however you look at it, shit's an ideology. Once you get trapped by that, and you will not see it any other way, or accept any questioning of that, you are now a hostage.
0: Can I run something by you? Let me see if you think this is the best, the, how you feel about this. Okay, so part of his argument, or conversation, whatever, is that People who own Bitcoin need Bitcoin to go up. If Bitcoin don't, going down doesn't help them. Is that true?
1: People who own dollars, that's the dumbest argument of all time. People who own dollars need dollars to be able to not go down, at the very least. They need dollars to continue to have value But they're not telling the world. you
0: to buy more things so their dollars don't go
1: down. Because what they do is they inflate your currency behind the scenes and basically give you taxation without you looking at it that they also don't get because they inflate the currency, right? Like but it's not let's, like they get let's value on it. Push that.
0: aside the whataboutism and let's just what is that? Wouldn't it make sense for people to have Bitcoin and they, they're trying they need you to believe in Bitcoin so more people invest in Bitcoin. I'm not saying this is bad. I'm just saying No, it's they, good. I understand exactly they would what you're saying. need it to, to they would need more people to buy into it. Correct? What what he's saying yeah. is absolutely correct in this
1: facet. Yes, you need adoption, thousand percent. Yes. And unfortunately, for him, mm-hmm. anything, 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 not just money, anything needs adoption. If pe- if if Instagram were created and no one fucking went on it, no one would fucking care. Anything yeah. needs that, so it's a bullshit argument. Mm-hmm. But. Where he has validity is questioning the fact that you are doing things outside of the purview of governments, which he doesn't. He doesn't like yeah. governments that much. Yeah. He doesn't have to agree with that, but he can make that point, and he should. It is a question I always raise because if governments suddenly don't have control of money, what do they control? How, how do they control shit? Like if I'm a government, mm-hmm. you think I like Bitcoin? I fucking hate it, yeah. I, which I think is a horrible. I think that you should... Take a look in the mirror and realize
0: what well, you're really this about. Is the, well, but. let's and let, let's go back to principles then, because the point of Bitcoin, it like the problem they're trying to solve is a problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. So I completely problems, agree. It yeah. would well, have many problems, but uh, the overall pro- the overall control of money, I guess you could call it, right? Uh, being able to. And listen, I think we have it wrong with the printing money, I think, as well. I think a lot of people are just like printing money is so bad, but all these other countries have the US dollar as their main currency, which means not all the money stays here. Am I stupid? You can verify this. You're like no finance stuff. So but that's what I'm saying. You know, I think that I think a lot that a lot of that a lot of headlines of like inflation is at like yes i just think there's more nuance to it than than yes. we look at us we look at if you're in the united states you look at it as a united states point of view right but our money is everywhere man and yes. same with bitcoin bitcoin you can be unless you're unless China bans it and trying to mine uh, you probably know this uh, well you probably have looked in yeah, why more do than they I do have. that why don't they it's ban it and then have all the things to mine it i don't know but there's more to it than and listen I I I, uh, I appreciate the Petership perspective and I think that it's a good one I think uh, listen I'm not trying to push my stuff on you listening but if you have a pro Bitcoin I think you should not that you should do an anti Bitcoin I think I you should do a
1: full scope I dude I agree yeah. with you a thousand percent he's just one guy who yep. is such and my, he's the and only I, example I have I could be wrong there's other guys there's plenty of other there, guys out okay. there like even Lloyd Blankfein you know ex-Goldman CEO, Mr. Fucking Traditional Finance. He was the CEO during the financial crisis. Goldman started to get behind it, so he was getting behind it. And he sent out a tweet the other day questioning some things, which is like flip-flappity flooping. But... Yep. I, I, And I don't have the tweet in front of me, so I will fuck it up if I try to remember it. But I was reading it, and I was like... Actually, Trent, if you could possibly pull that up. Who's that again? Look at Lloyd Blankfein's Twitter. It's within the last three to four days. But when I was reading it, I was like... Fair. You need that. You need that even if it's coming from him, you need that questioning right there. There and he's not a guy tweeting about crypto every day and, and profiting off of it. He yeah. doesn't have his kid tweeting back at him calling dad an idiot because he's not buying Bitcoin almost to draw attention to the shifts. I just think he's a shill. I really do. And I could be wrong. If he were wrong and I sat across from him, like I have a, yeah. a someone I I won't call him a friend, someone I know who is friends with Peter Schiff. I've never talked with him about Peter Schiff, but that person who very much holds the opposite opinion of Peter on that, mm-hmm. if he told me that he doesn't think it was that way at all and that I'm completely wrong and cited good evidence, I'd be down to have a conversation. For but sure. I just don't. He's a guy who has, he, he's dug, he's, he's a product of at least ideology. He's dug in, he will not see it any other way. You know, I, I don't. There's another guy, for example, Jared Dillian. Phenomenal legacy finance guy who has a lot of questions around Bitcoin. His Twitter is at Daily Dirt He has one of the best one of the best daily um, newsletters on the street. He's not a huge believer in Bitcoin. And he comes at it from a little bit of like a boomery perspective. But he is to the point. Mm. He is very black and white with stuff. And he is consistent on that across the board. So I appreciate I don't have to agree with Jared on everything. Yeah. Nor should I with anybody. Yeah. There's so much shit out there. So like I like that and I appreciate when he puts out thoughts as to why because like he's a behavioral finance guy. Mm-hmm. I like when he questions Bitcoin because it makes me think and go, "Whoa, could there could there be an issue there? Like that's a great example of a guy who I will use as a ant and I don't know it's fair to call him a full anti-Bitcoiner, but it's probably more, much more against it than he is for it. I like that.
0: Yeah, and I, I like to review. I think where I come from, too, is just not um, – I've day-traded before, just as an example. Oh, we have to tweet? Is that the tweet?
1: Yeah, one? yeah. Is that the right one? Yeah, exactly. So this is from Lloyd Blankfein a few days ago. Thanks, Tret. Keeping an open mind about crypto, but given the inflating U.S. dollar and the stark reminder that governments can and will, under certain circumstances, freeze accounts and block payments, wouldn't you think crypto would be having a moment right now? Not seeing it in the price so far. Dot dot dot. So he leaves open the door that we could see something, and he makes a valid point that yeah, you haven't seen ETH and Bitcoin and some of the main ones up, while shit is. I mean, you've seen tyrannical shit in canada you've seen russia get shut off from the world and he my issue is that he's only looking at price which is not always reflective of what's going on so like as an example there's a chart that tracks percentage of holders or number of holders around the world who hold over a thousand bitcoin last week i don't know if you could pull up this chart because it's really exact but i'll tell you i'll tell you what happened last week when the sanctions started kicking in this chart that looks like this, if you're watching and not listening, I'm, I'm moving my hand in kind of an up and down regular. What's that math term where they have like the loops like that? Oh, dude. Regular, like I repeating Parabola? parabolas, right? That's not the term. There's a certain...
0: It, it better it's be because like, that's the only one we got it's right. It's like
1: on the calculator, like cosine or sine, sine or some shit yeah, like that. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. The sinusoidal yeah. curve. I'm going to get it way fucking hard But whatever Podcast. that is, right? That's how it looks over one, two, three years. Last week... Boom! straight through the roof Whoa. and it increased about 185 people, thousand Bitcoin minimum, which is like at the time when I looked at it, I was like 38 million, which means they probably own a lot more than a thousand too. Don't you think it's kind of interesting that there's roughly of what we really consider, say 200 to 250 oligarchs in Russia, and roughly from what we consider last week when they were shut down, they had, you know, they're trying to get all their yachts, they're shutting down the Swift payment system, they're being blamed for part of this whole conflict. Isn't it kind of interesting that the thousand Bitcoin holders went up in a straight line right at around the same time? I look at shit like that and I say, well, the mm. price hasn't reflected it yet. The price hasn't reflected it. But if that's not turning towards some form of adoption, and by the way, if you think they're only doing it in Bitcoin, you're out of your mind. If you don't think these guys are washing it in, like, ETH or some sh- of course they are. Well,
0: is that a big factor of people being able to wash, like, a lot of money through these things?
1: Yeah, and here's another thing. A common big government, you know, anti-crypto argument is it's a it's a tool for money laundering and criminality. Yeah, well, what the fuck is the dollar used it's for?
0: All, all money laundering yes. ever. That yes. ever was existed. And I got a guy... The mattress firm is the funniest one. You know about that one, though, right? The mattress firm? Mattress <laughs> firms. Trey, you know what uh, I'm talking yeah, about? I
1: do no. I don't know about so,
0: that. So d- maybe tra- you might be able to find the original. It had to be lo- years and years ago. All right. But here's the gist of it before we can find it. So there was like a street and there was like 10 mattress firms on the street. <laughs> this street. This is like straight like, salt Goodman shit. D- straight, dude, straight salt, dude. Straight. So this is breaking we're bad. Let me show you how to launder money. Yeah. yeah. If this is all your money. Mean- all right. So we're going to get a mattress firm. <laughs> But there's like they're like, oh, why is there four mattress firms in a mile? Within, yeah. Or half a mile, right? And and so they were using a mattress firm Are we, we going
1: to stop car companies because Hamas has been the biggest funder of cocaine sales around the world for the last fucking two decades by funneling cars through America and through Mexico and back around smuggling cocaine and then cash back in them? No, we're not going to stop car companies because of that.
0: We're not going to stop Toyota for selling Toyotas to, you know, Al-Qaeda or whoever it was. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. You, know? you can't. You can't control everything. Yes, yes. And so when I look at that, you know, it's a shitty argument to have. And also, and this is an argument against crypto perhaps, but I don't know how much I should say. Let's just say I know somebody right now who has a major project coming out, let's say in like November, Mm -hmm. who is going to be discussing the trackability, did a full international investigation of it, the trackability of Bitcoin and the fact that it is... Very traceable. The government has, can, and has figured out who has Bitcoin or who made certain transactions. So that again, that's kind of an argument against some of the crypto space. But it's an argument directly against that whole money laundering thing. If the government sees some shit going on and they want to figure out where it is, guess what? They can and they have.
0: Are are you in crypto? What do you mean in crypto? Do you own, oh, sorry. Do you own crypto? Yes,
1: I do. But I'm very also i was talking about nfts earlier before we got off it but like same with crypto crypto we're talking about legit like what's supposed to be money mm-hmm. i assume 99.999999999999% of it is utter and complete bullshit mm. like i own two things i own bitcoin and i own eth and my my confidence interval on eth is not as high as it is on bitcoin I look at some of that as a as a much higher risk than Bitcoin and if people have arguments against ETH I just as I am against Bitcoin but even more so against ETH I'm all ears to that Mm. because I'm like I doubt it I have a lot of doubts about it too you should have doubts you shouldn't assume that Amazon exists today you should assume you're looking at pets.com possibly Mm. doesn't mean you're in the wrong space the tech space was right in 1995 the internet tech space was right but you could have the wrong horse I don't even have that as much as I believe in Bitcoin and the fact that it was the first and it's truly decentralized and that we don't know who started it and no one controls it as of now, you know, I, I still have questions and I still will take those questions and I'll piss off some of my Bitcoin friends when I do it, but I will never stop. The minute you start saying it's infallible, it's over. Like you, you have, you have completely given yourself up to an ideology.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's. <clears throat> i didn't even know we were gonna go into uh bitcoin man that's, yeah I, I i just uh i i've read a little bit but i just don't i haven't done when i try to speak on something i really try to go in and i haven't done enough personal research so that's why it's really nice to talk to you about it um do you see it as and this was a wrap up our bitcoin conversation but is it in the way that you look at it say personally if you can speak on this it do you okay you own bitcoin is that a full like just long-term like hey i believe in bitcoin like do you own it like you might own an ira or some kind of long-term investment yes. or a life insurance or something
1: yes but it's not infallible it's not like i don't look at it and say julian that can't go to zero It can't I'll i know, give you no, a, but the
0: mindset it's uh, about the mindset of the minds- i have it it's a habit of having it
1: yes it's also partially there is a part of it, I've said this before is a statement and I also want to say I'm not a Bitcoin expert Let's make that crystal fucking clear. I do my research on it I talk with people way smarter than me I listen to other people who I don't know way smarter than me including people who are against it like Jared Dillion and I Draw my conclusions where I can but I'm not gonna sit here and th- there's plenty of shit I don't know which is part of the reason why I don't have the full expectation like yo, we're good. We're rising here I will say that one thing that would crash Bitcoin where I'll actually I'll actually agree with Dan Pena who I think is out of his Yo, fucking can we talk mind about Dan Pena? Uh, don't get me started on Dan Pena fucking guy nice but podcast one one thing I will say is that when when he and he's one guy who said this plenty of people have said this but when he says the day they figure out who Satoshi is, it goes to zero, I agree if that and that information is too heavy. You are talking about something that is potentially replacing the global financial system in its underlying value, right? I, like, I'm not somebody who's at the point where, yo, Bitcoin's going to be the currency. I think it's more the sun. It's like gold on steroids and HGH. Could be, With things like the Lightning Network, maybe one day it does become the currency, too. I haven't seen a good enough argument there yet. A lot of Bitcoiners would hate me for saying that, but it's true. I think something's more likely to be built below Bitcoin that's somehow earmarked off of it. Like, baseline to it. But when Dan Pena says if we discovered who Satoshi was, it goes to fucking
0: zero. Who, when, what when does he, that mean, Satoshi?
1: Satoshi Nakamoto is the guy who, the pseudonymous person were oh, okay. persons who invented Bitcoin on October 1st, 2008. No one knows who he or they or she is. But if that information came out, it would. it's too heavy. It's like, imagine if Like, we think someone like Bezos running Amazon is too heavy, right? We think that's, like, crazy that he oversees the global supply chain, almost, of, like, basic needs. Now imagine money. It's too Human beings couldn't... It'd be the biggest secret in the history of secrets. It is the biggest
0: secret. Yeah, but I think most people don't know that. We don't actually know who started it. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that? No. But I don't fucking know. It wouldn't matter.
1: All the people who are in it would know that. And they but. And there's a lot of people who are aware of that. I bet there's people in it that don't know. Most people who are in it know that.
0: Yeah, they, they, ha- they do. have a certain level of, they do. of research. And the uh, fact yeah. that
1: Peter Schiff, obviously, at least in all the times you've listened, hasn't really discussed that is pretty telling.
0: Yeah, and, and, and we do know who invented Ethereum. And yes. I will reference this podcast. Yes. It's with Tim Ferriss, Naval Ravikant, and the guy, I don't know his name. Vitalik, Vitalik, who invented the theory. Yeah. Very great podcast, I will say. Did I understand it? No, I didn't really get. I mean, no the problem. P- really tried, but uh, but I will say they did premise it with, hey, you probably do have to understand this to an extent. They said it in much better wording than I just said it, but obviously Tim Ferriss is an orator, and he's very good at podcasting, and and but so they they said, hey, listen, you might have to have a baseline understanding of this to really take value from this conversation. So. If this conversation is more baseline than that, then I'm doing what I'd like to do, which is just ask my own questions about Because I really have no idea. I'm somebody from the outside. And you have, like, there's levels to this, like anything. You know a certain amount about it, and then you go to these other people who know way more than you, but you can understand them.
1: You're making a great anti-crypto point here that I make as well. And I will continue to make it until I see it rectified. And that is... One of the biggest problems crypto continues to have, it is better than it was, much better than it was in 2018, but they have a long way to go, is the complexity. People don't buy complex, people buy simple. People bought an iPod for the first time because they had one button in the middle that was your core button and it had, I think, like two or three others behind it or around it that were like a play button, a backward and a forward, right? And everything was two clicks away and it was a white thing right in front of you with a blank space screen they later bought an iPhone because it was the internet a phone and a camera all in one and all you had to do was Oop, the home button unlocks it you slide it you're open and boom these little squares are different spaces and you can add as many or as few as you want simple Steve Jobs used to say if he made a microwave it would have one button add 30 seconds that's all you need simplicity is is the hardest thing to get to because everyone always wants to cover every base and they want to have options but people don't really want options Mm. they want something that's great that solves their problem for them that they can just inherently understand so i ask people i'm like if if tomorrow we had to go to bitcoin for whatever reason and nothing else existed Mm. do i think my grandma's fucked yes i do is that good no it's not. why
0: would you adopt something
1: you don't understand exactly they need to do a bit Bitcoin has done the best job of anyone, but they still have a long way to go. There needs to be a simple way that someone picks up the phone and boom, they understand it. This is what it is. period mm-hmm. eth is awful with that. I don't know what the fuck way is. You know like, like I don't use it enough, right? I'm like, just
0: tr- I've spent probably f- a few hours trying to understand what blockchain is. And
1: that's that's another thing, and people overuse the fuck out of that word, but they need to they need to make it palatable. They need to yeah. They need to make it such that, like, when Silicon Valley launched and all these companies came up, what happened is they formed a great relationship between the engineering and the marketing. The engineering created wild shit. The marketing figured out how to take it to the people and message it. Right? You can't only have one. Crypto is still way too heavy on the engineering. And they're not effective enough on the marketing too much of the marketing is in something
0: like nfts where it involves selling a product yeah but the problem with marketing is that it has to be dumb most of the time like it has to be dumbed down and simplified. yes so that's exactly what i so want so how the fuck do you market something that's complex that's, that's you make that it you, simpler yeah and it's always easier to make it more complex yes dude i man this does not this is does not relate too much but you familiar with amway yes familiar with the network marketing Yes, yes, yes. yes. So I talk to a lot of these network marketing guys, you know. Pyramid schemers? Yeah, schemers. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys, if it's a pyramid scheme and you're making money, do your thing. If you're not fucking anybody over, I'm not trying to throw shade on the model. I'm just saying, if I was a network marketer, do you know what I would do? Do you know how I would make more than all you guys chatting up people in Walmart supplement sections? Is I would literally just tell you what it is because the thing about that is nobody said hey here's amway it's a pyramid scheme this is how it works i'm gonna do supplements that you have in your house already you just don't have to go to walmart and buy them we're gonna ship them right to you we have energy drinks that's bad like i would just literally just be like this is it dude and you can do that if somebody does that honestly i'll be honest i'm trying to do it for podcasting right now but if somebody could do that for bitcoin man like i'll fucking watch your shit every day i don't even need to care about bitcoin if you can put something in a simple like I love these guys who I made a hundred million dollars. Let me tell you how I did it. But they tell you simple just simple terms. For step one, I, I, I found a, a skill. Step two, I, I I bought back some of my time and learned a higher value skill. Like if you can simplify this shit and you have a system, people will 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 grab onto that, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I maybe we can transition a little bit to something we were talking about in our first podcast that got deleted cuz you just brought it up from another angle. It's 100% right. But I asked you if you could name one company who yes, they have their haters, but their haters are pretty much only just the worst of the worst of the mainstream media who can't stand the fact that these this company is impervious to fucking having fanboys and stuff. If I could name one company, what if you could
0: name one company, what would that be? think about it
1: well you already named it earlier
0: i know i'm just if they want to think about it don't have to give it to them right away okay let's spell let's not bury the lead no it's tesla right why
1: because elon doesn't care exactly elon musk will tweet out you know basic bitch tweets At 2 a.m. because he feels like it he will say things that are ridiculous and considered insane in some cases like oh our stock price is too high he will go straight on Joe Rogan and smoke weed and not give one fuck about it he will make comments publicly on a camera cuz he feels like it this says no we don't really want to do that we'll do this instead. He will do all these things that none of these even successful major corporate companies will do when they just hide behind statements, you know that are written out by a PR department who has 12 employees and 12 ladders down actually writing it getting it back to them choosing words carefully and making it sound something that's damage control. It's not gain. It's not worry about long term. It's like, what are we going to do that's caused the least, that's going to cause the least damage for the next three months or next month, whatever it is to get to our next quarterly, so that vanilla-ism. people don't sh- Yes. Your word with vanillaism. Like, that is radical transparency. In the media, in like, something that's light, like comedy, that people can't even take as fucking comedy anymore, that's why someone like Dave Portnoy's so uncancelable Mm -hmm. because even when it is literally embarrassing he tells you what happened like you know he'll share dms of him talking with some chick about pussy and astrology right like because he's like well this is what happened it doesn't make me look good but this Mm -hmm. is what happened and so people see the fact that he's human there's flaws they make mistakes. They don't hide behind some statement and try to double speak corporate speak about how shit's going down. Yeah. And so your example with like Amway, I tell you exactly what it is. Yeah, like I and I talked about this when we were talking earlier, but I'm gonna tell it again if it's cool because 100 anything. It, it's a great example. But there was a show that was on when I was maybe I I really can't remember. Maybe it was like right after I was born or something. But it was in the 90s. Late 90s and maybe like early 2000s called the West Wing. And it was an idealistic version of what the Oval Office and the presidency would be like. Right. So it's not realistic. But this was prior to the social media era. It was prior to the instantaneous sharing everything era. And one thing that Aaron Ross Sorkin, the writer and creator of that show, nailed down was the importance of radical transparency. He saw the future with that shit in a way that I can't ever understate and there was one scene in particular, I, th- I think I watched the show on like Netflix when I was in college but it's from the first or second season where the president in the show Jed Bartlett is played by Martin Sheen is at a press conference and something just happened to the effect of he signed a bill to get something very important done that he had promised on the campaign trail and in making the bill in typical Washington bullshit he had to give he had to give something up and so he had to give up something that was much lower on his priorities but was something that he had promised the opposite of like we're not going to give that up on the campaign trail so he's in a press conference and some lady in the media gets up angry because it's like an issue she cares about and she says something to the effect of mr president what would you you sign this bill that did x y and z but you basically fucked over these people who you just spoke to on the campaign trail a year ago and said you were gonna do this and now you did the opposite. What do you have to say to them? And without hesitation he looked right at her and he said and he said, I'd say I screwed them. I screwed you. And she's like, What and everyone gets quiet. And he goes into this one minute rant about to the people who I said that to, I made that promise, we can go roll the tape on all my times doing it, and I, I fucked you. I went in there today and I did the opposite. And if you never want to vote for me again, and you want to speak out against what a piece of shit I am, you have every right to do that because, frankly, I gave you the, the firepower to do that today in my actions. There's no running from it. That's what it is. I did screw you. However... I had to make a decision on the list of importance of things that were promised and it's the shitty part about Washington DC and I basically could get the thing that was number three on my list today and frankly and this is probably true that other issue I gave up on was number a hundred and so number three was more important and I made the trade-off and it's something I had to do and again if if that makes you hate me I understand that and I accept that. Mm -hmm. It was radical honesty. And so if you're someone at home who got fucked by whatever he gave up, if it's the only thing you really care about, yeah, you're probably never going to vote for him again. But maybe you don't think he's a total piece of shit. You're like, well, at least he was honest, but fuck him. Mm -hmm. Most likely, though, you're someone who cares about other things, too, that may be on his priority list. And you go, you know what? That sucks. But he's honest. He's honest. Right? And so... That's why guys like Elon and guys like Dave who go straight to the people and talk... guy like Joe Rogan, he's in podcasting, right? But that's what he does, whether he, whether it's mm-hmm. dumb or smart, like he says what he thinks, yeah. and it's a long conversation, there's no hiding, right? Nope. That gets rewarded. And the people who exist in the legacy structure of go- government and corporation and the way things are done can't Old fucking guard. stand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because... It's like, no, 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 we decide what goes. This is how it's done, so that's how it should be done. And in reality, if you just are fucking honest with people, and people know, people know if you're full of shit or not. Mm -hmm. They can tell over time. If you're just honest with people... I'm not saying you can go out and just be wrong every day and say, hey, guess what? Here's what we did. We fucked you. Sorry. And then do the same thing the next day and people are going to be okay with it. I'm saying like over time you can make mistakes or do a misstep or make a hard decision that sucks for certain people. And if you are just repeatedly going out there with, with where you stand at all times and you do it in a way that makes you sound like a fucking human and just like you're sitting in their room with them, talking with them, you know, over a beer they're probably going to like you more than hate you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I know that the, what Joe Rogan experienced recently, I don't know if anybody asked you, but people would ask me, and they're like, what do you think? Is he, like, even my client, one of my clients, he's my friend too, I just had him on the podcast. Um, he was like, what do you think? Is he like he's going to get canceled or whatever? I'm like, I've been here for a long time. Like, no. <laughs> but I know that's impossible. But But I kind of look at that like, you don't and and also so here's the other side of it too. You said legacy media, they okay. You're optimizing for views, right? You don't really get if, if, if mass media is podcasting. Mass media is Joe Rogan. That's if you want to talk views, right? I'm not talking money, I'm ad revenue. Yeah, no, talking no, views. Yeah. yeah, that's mass media. If you, if mass is quantity of views, it would be something yeah. like his show compared to a news network, CNN and Fox News there, are irrelevant. If you take take somebody down which you really can't because then spotify this gets into specifics and i won't go there but it's it's not like the the audience disappears like if if joe i wish this is i don't listen i love spotify is great like i said i'm an artist i know the nuances i know there's there's good, there's bad, There, it is what it is. But if Joe offered for $10 a month, 15 I don't even, honestly, I really, to a point, don't really care how much it was. Everything it. on his website, no ads, dude. I don't want to be, I don't need to listen on Spotify or watch on Spotify, you know. I'm just dedicated. I don't care where he would have to go. You can't cancel him from his own website. And now there's Google. I listen, I watch the episode with the your, your friend who knows a lot, who got fired from Google. And great story, by the way, I'll link it in the show notes. But, obviously, you can't cancel somebody from their own platform, you know? And so, I think that that's a lot of what these, like you said, old guard shirts, the media, all these corporations. Things are changing, man. I mean, the future hate it. independent journalism now is e- is much easier Now does it And we've mentioned this before Does it also encourage Do the Gary V's encourage people who make shitty content To make more shitty content For sure Content that shouldn't be out there Maybe for sure But f- it also encourages things like this Which is independent journalism Which this that's just a term you can use to describe it B- But I think that a lot of the well, It's changing And it happens to be the biggest platform in the world is the independent platform.
1: Yeah, and and they hate it because they can't control it. Just like they hate Bitcoin, just like they hate crypto. It is a threat to them. Like they want to do all the – not. I don't want to go back deep into that, but they want to do all these CBDCs, just toss that in there because now, oh, it's going to be their digital currency and they're going to use the legacy systems to get rid of all the points of what mm. decentralized digital currency is supposed to be. You know, so it, there's always an angle – for the powerful structures. But you know, we we have we also have two ideologies who are stuck in the middle of this and generalization here, in fairness, but the wide majority, in my opinion, are are they just wrong. I like I look at Republicans, I look at Democrats and I'm like, God damn you guys are so far apart and there's every other thing out of out of your mouth I'm like, no, 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 that's not what this is. Because you're, depending on how you look at it, like it's zero or a hundred. Mm-hmm. No one wants to go 50 miles an hour. You know, this country's built on going 50 miles an hour diligently and carefully, brick by brick. You know, you win the Revolutionary War at the earliest where you could say, oh, we were the quote unquote world power, the earliest would have been right after World War 1. That's 140 years later. You know, and I would say it's really after World War 2, 160 years later. Brick by brick, slowly, carefully, let the world develop, let technology develop, continue to figure out your place, figure out what's what's do we want to be an imperialist empire? Okay, maybe not. You know, and you still have mistakes in there and everything, but you figure out how to Grow society through intellectual capital, through freedom, through diversity, through all these different things. And you got yourself in that position. Now, what comes up apparently in the laws of everything in life must come down. So, how do you come down off that? You come down off that by going to an extreme position. And so, you know, you look at the White House in my lifetime, I was born while Clinton was president, right? Like, it's been left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. And every time it happens, it gets, especially since Bush, it gets farther and farther apart to where it's so stark. And you also have more and more mass communication while this is going on. I, I'll... uh you know independent journalism but also independent fucking tweeters out there mm. bots and shit as well to just continually be like motherfucker you know to everyone who doesn't agree with you and so the more we allow ourselves to become trapped in an ideological system based on who we vote for and i'm not someone who votes i voted left and i have voted right in my life i've been both and i'm firmly neither at this point but in, in order to get down to that point as to what the vast majority do it at the ballot box we create these teams that distracts from the real problems people who are democrats and people who are republicans in average society your average person have the same problems they just have been they've allowed themselves to see to they've allowed themselves to accept the propaganda of the people who are really causing the problems to convince them that the other people on their level, the other common Joes who thinks in a different way are the problem and not the people who have been at the top of the food structure causing all this shit to come down. Mm. I mean, one of the greatest examples in like the Bitcoin quote-unquote example, and again, like, let's use the term crypto more than anything. Like, because again, Bitcoin could not be the thing, right? Like, I'm not someone said yo it's gonna to go to zero one day I'd say I can't say it's not gonna right but you look at that space when did that white paper came come out when was it created effectively October 1st 2008 what happened two weeks before that The whole fucking financial system crashed. Trust in the system was dead. It was the worst time since the Great Depression. People's wealth gap, the wealth gap of people like across the country and the world had been going in a V-shape since the 1980s. And now it diverted almost into like a flat shape, like day by day. Do I think it's a coincidence that something that represented giving power back into people's wallets and the decisions they're able to make with the value of their money giving it to the people and taking it away from governments. Do I think that it is a coincidence that was created right around the time the fucking markets all crashed? No, it's not. There aren't a lot of major coincidences like that in the world. And so you see these movements where people are starting to realize that. And my hope is that these same movements don't get sucked into ideological structures, which is unfortunately a difficult thing to work against. You know, like we have to figure out how we can work together to Recognize what makes us the same versus recognizing what makes us different. Like, if you look at 2016 and that election, what the people who should have been the two final candidates were Trump and Sanders, right? According to you know the fact i i think the dnc Did is they fucked bernie i think the dnc is far smarter and effective than the rnc which is none of this is a compliment towards anything and they wanted hillary and they were able to put her in there exactly. but bernie was the guy who had the movement he despite them giving him no attention he built it himself and bernie sanders and donald trump were products of occupy wall street and tea party which happened in 2010 2011 2012. With Occupy Wall Street, I'm generalizing, it tended to be urban, younger people who were upset at the system that left them behind. They had $100,000 of college debt, couldn't get a job with their gender studies major that they were told was going to be so great, and they were pissed off that all the Wall Street bankers, none of them went to jail, and they're all there making all their fucking money, and they're not. Tea Party are all the middle America people who have watched Wall Street and everyone else send all their the corporate systems send all their jobs overseas They're they've been left behind they don't have the technology out there as far as like Silicon Valley's in California right they don't have mm-hmm. these companies building there so their skills Detroit. are Detroit yeah their skills are being automated away and they've been left behind and they just happen to see they happen to be a little older and a little more rural so Occupy decides to take more of the leftward tilt on solutions Tea Party takes the more rightward tilt on solutions. Yeah. And so they convinced themselves that they're each other's enemy. And what rises out of that? Two guys who the only thing they have in common on a solutions end is they have... Well, not even a solutions end. Is they have different forms of a New York accent. But you have Sanders and you have Trump. And they had opposite ideas on what the solutions were. But they spoke to the same fucking person. And no one realized it. And so that should have been a moment where we said, wait a fucking second. Forget our differences here and how we want to go about fixing this. We all have the same complaints. Why can't we come together and figure out like, okay, we don't need to agree on all the solutions, but what are like a general set of things that like we should focus on like an issue and then yeah. allow legislation to take its course?
0: Yeah, but the come together doesn't... It doesn't exist. No, but the come together, the problem with the come together, it's not, ma- it's not all of us come together. It's one person and another person come together yeah. i don't want to i don't want to hype up our format but if there's anything that allows you to have two sides that allows two sides to come together in an honest and meaningful way where both can hear each other out it's got to be a conversation agreed because it's not going to happen it, we all we know that yeah. it's not going to happen with hundreds or thousands of people it's just that's but that's not a conversation that's a crowd
1: Right? And that's the issue. It's a group thing. It goes right back to the corporation thing. It becomes a group think thing. Like, I had a problem with corporations and, and the way that, especially at banks, they operated where everything was red taped. Yeah. It's because one guy has one job. One woman has one job, right? And there's a list of things they're supposed to do. They report to person X and they worry about their no, And field. it's
0: not in, in what Ray Dalio says, an idea meritocracy, right? Yeah. The best ideas win. Listen, I have a business. I have people that work for me. I, I'm really, like, I think about this on a daily basis. This is something I spent a lot of time investing in and thinking about, how to how to not have almost founderism which is everything I'm I everybody that works for me is a tentacle off of me right and they can yeah. only do what I know how to do and so and I'm not saying that's a whole separate problem but even in a mass corporation it's not the best ideas win it's the person above you's ideas win and that might
1: even be a generalization but i'm going to take it because it's far more true sure than, generous- far more true than it's false you're mm-hmm. right you're dead on and so like you look at the structure of what that is it comes down to self-preservation the easiest way to self-preserve is to do what the crowd the group think wants you to do such that you do not upset the apple cart why do people not come out and blow the whistle on things when they are wrong why did it take 11 years for edward snowden to happen because the other people who maybe wanted to do it before him realized i'm fucked maybe i get killed i don't know i don't need to go that far but like i'm fucked if i do that if if you like one of my least favorite arguments on that is when people who worked in the government come out and say you know he could have gone and told people about it you don't think other people didn't try or didn't think of that What the fuck do you... Do you think he could have walked into the... Could you imagine this? Like, at this point, he was an NSA contractor. He literally wasn't even working at the NSA. Could you imagine him walking in like Chief Hayden? Hey, Mr. Hayden. I don't know if he was in charge at that time. Hey, General Hayden, sir. How are you? Snowden? Ed? Yeah. You know me? I work down there. Uh, Listen, I found this whole stellar wind type thing, and I think it's against the Constitution, (laughs) and we should stop it. So can we do the right thing and hold a press conference and tell people how we've been violating every fucking thing in the Constitution against them for the last 11 years? for a couple terrorists in the middle of fucking Siberia. Right? Like, can we go out and do that? What do you think? Hayden's going to sit there and say, you know what, Ed? Pop up a seat. Let's get a a camera out. Let's talk to the people. Of course he's not. In the worst scenario, if the government's this big bad thing that the worst people want you to think it is, and I'm not sure it is, but like, you know, he gets killed. In the best scenario, he gets sent to a desk somewhere until he's so sick of it after three years of not seeing the sun that he quits and goes off into the private sector and throws up a middle finger and is never heard from again because he signed something that said, I can't ever tell anyone about this. So when you see people like that, they are going outside of the groupthink structure just to be able to do the right thing. Think about how many other people don't ever get to do that and how many issues there are, not just in governments, but in corporations, in big sections where you are, in, you are incentivized not to say what the crowd doesn't say and social media has created a 24 7 crowd Mm -hmm. god forbid you say the wrong thing and question something or say like hey i agree with that you can even start with that i agree with what we're thinking about this but can we also think about this when we think about that you're canceled yeah right like look at all the people talking about ukraine right now anyone who says who's like pro-russia or like doesn't think this is horrible what's happening to ukraine is a fucking moron a lot of people aren't saying that, though. Mm-hmm. There are people who are simply saying, this is awful. We're seeing innocent civilians bombed every day. I do wish we had the same energy about like all the brown people in the Middle East who have had this happen, including at our hands, by the way. Like, every day for, like, decades and decades, but we don't. Killing people with video games. Either, exactly. Either way, let's ignore that for a second. Yes, it's awful what's happening. Yes, I think the guy Zelensky's awesome. I think it's amazing that, like, he didn't take the whole out key and and stayed there and said well i guess they're gonna have to kill me it's it's amazing and like i want to i want to see them not be taken over and everything but you now have very aware politicians and people in the government taking advantage of the crowd sympathy for ukraine and getting a bunch of people to hold marches where they're advocating for no fly zones and you now have a public support forming for people who don't even know what the fuck a no-fly zone is. And what they don't realize is that they're openly advocating for World War 3. Because if we do that, that is an act of war. Shit, you have to enforce a no-fly zone. So if you say no planes over Ukraine, Russia flies a plane over Ukraine. Can you just let that fly? No, you shoot it the fuck And so people are afraid to say that because they're going to be called a pro-Putinist and like, you, how dare you, if we lose but one more life in Ukraine, it's it's the worst thing ever. I don't want to lose any lives in Ukraine. I think it's disgusting. I think Putin should be put on trial for war. I mean, ideally he'd be taken out. But I also understand this is a world power who's doing this. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately in life, it's not so simple as, oh, well, let's just make a no-fly zone and tell him to go fuck himself. I don't want to see. I don't want to see any Ukrainians die. I don't want to see millions of more people die from other countries as well when it's avoidable. So, like, you now have people who are being silent on that because I'm just some douchebag saying it on a podcast. I'm not a general. I'm not somebody in the government who can actually affect this conversation. But you, you have people who, who are thinking that, but they're not saying it because they're not incentivized to say it because the group is saying differently. And fucking General McFuckface is going on NBC Sunday morning saying, oh, let's do a no-fly zone. Or like, oh, we need to think about a no-fly zone. Better yet, they start with that kind of language and then they get to, you got to do it. And now, boom, what happens? We slip farther and farther down the slope. And what do you know? A month from now, we're sitting here in fucking World War III. Congratulations.
0: I don't even watch the news, so I really don't... I just see people post about all this. That's what matters. Is it... I mean, I, I when it's on, when I see it, when the TV's on, I put on Fox, and then I put on CNN, put on MSNBC. I try to watch all of them watch. I watch Tucker Carlson, and then I watch... I honestly don't know the people's names on CNN. Um, I just know he's a face. Uh, and, I, and then I watch them. And so... You know, I try to... I, I, I always start with Don Lemon, man. That's my go-to. Don go to. Lemon, It's yeah. my
1: go-to on the okay, news. I, so I start with him, and it's it's downhill from there. <laughs> I, by the way, that's not an avocation for Don Lemon. I think he's horrible.
0: Yeah, but, yeah,
1: They're all horrible, man.
0: Listen, I want to take a slight left turn in the, in the instance of time. Um, this is a personal question that I had just looking at your... Going a little bit deeper and just looking at what you did before and what you're doing now in the podcast that you've built. Is there, do you think there's something deeper into why you, listen, you knew that you wanted to switch trajectories, but you literally went out and did, which is arguably, if you don't know about podcasting, it's one of the hardest things that you can do to actually create something that. Is successful. It's just exactly like business. It's the same exact statistics. Only 10% make it in the first year, and then you can it's just... It's less in podcasting. It's, and it's less in podcasting. Dumbest, Dumbest thing you can do is start a podcast. 100% and I agree, right? Yeah. Um, did you... Was there like an unmet need that was you needed to get yourself and be... Sorry for those listening. You needed to get yourself out there and kind of be maybe a lack of of creativity a lack of use of creativity in, in your i i i really get the sense that you that you did enjoy what you did before that so i don't think it's anything I that didn't. you missed out on but I i'm didn't. trying to find like and this is super personal this is not this is just something this is something that popped up in my head from doing this for four years and helping other people do it and seeing people just slip right into it and almost be perfect for it and other people struggle Is there something that when you were in this, you know, banking job, you enjoyed what you were doing, but you knew, okay, this isn't, I I can't commit for another five years. Was there, was it any deeper than that? Like, why the, why the podcast? Is this, was it inside of you? You're like, I wish I could just get myself out there in an open forum or? No, no, not at all, man. Not. And to be clear, I did not enjoy
1: what I did last. The only aspect of it that I enjoyed was the one fun part, which was going on and having an excuse to know who everyone was and why they were doing it. But in reality... How many people, and and this is any business, how many people when you do that are you actually going to end up doing business with? 1%, 1%. 1%, 1%, maybe, yeah. maybe. Run the numbers. And you can so run the numbers. It's a numbers game. And yeah. it's like, well, once someone's not doing business with you, you don't talk to them anymore. Uh, I never followed this rule. I made friends. I didn't make friends to do business. I made friends because, like, I fuck with this person. And, like, I wouldn't stop. And that was kind of an issue because they're like, well, why are you spending time around so-and-so? Like, you're not going to be doing business with him. You already know that. Yeah, but I fuck with him. He's doing some wild shit. I want to know about that. Like, do you think I was going to make Sloan Breakville, who I, to- I think on this podcast or maybe the one we lost – but do you think, was it the one lost or was it No, I think it one? was
0: the last one. Yeah, I think it was the one.
1: The, the one, one we lost? I yeah. I think
0: so. I think so.
1: I don't remember. But like a guy like Sloan, who was one of the first guys to, who's one of the first people in, in blockchain period, do you think he was going to be a client of a legacy bank? He, are you out of your fucking mind? He didn't even own US dollars. He literally had all his assets in Bitcoin. We could, We weren't even allowed to hold that. So I shouldn't have been spending any time around Slum, but I did cuz like I saw what he was doing. So like I hated that they discouraged it that happened
0: to me too. They said make a they said make a LinkedIn account and message these people. I'll buy you premium and you just message them directly. Yeah. And I was like what about like
1: Which w- is a business model. It's fair. Oh, 100%. It's fair.
0: I tr- I have an entire business based off of LinkedIn. But I don't even have to, I don't have to message like I do message people, but, that, but it's not built on that. That's so my say? point. Yeah.
1: I liked that. That was one piece of the job. I didn't mm-hmm. like all the other shit.
0: But you like the relationship side of it, not the quantity,
1: not the doing the job. I was good at yeah, it. Good. I could build portfolios. I was very good at financial planning. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'll let clients speak for that. Who knows? Maybe I sucked at it. But like, I enjoyed mm-hmm. being like feeling like I did a good job. But like, I don't fucking like that, you know? And I started to realize that. Like, am I really going to be doing this? And so. When I said no to him with his offer, again I'm not sure what was said on here or the other one, but when he came in the offer with me late summer 2019, and then I was like the no, person you were working yeah, for. Yeah, I was trying to shift industries and I was trying to shift towards like mar- something general marketing, cut my teeth, right? Mm-hmm. I had done a lot of that on the side. That means nothing, right? So my resume might look good as like a resume. I don't know but it didn't look good for anything I was looking at so I knew that right away without even applying for a job which is why some of the recruiters I reached out to like some very senior people who were like own firms and somehow got some of them to talk to me and I appreciate that to this day they had no reason to talk to me but they liked me because I didn't have any expectations they're like usually we got to tell people right now hey your resume looks great for that but not for this you know and then like got to set it but I was like guys I will literally take a job for, like, 35K in New York and prove myself. I do not give a fuck, right? And so they're like, oh, cool. That opens some doors now. Now we can talk. And so even with that on the job trial, I'd still get my ass kicked, not because people were dicks or anything, but, like, they have a life and they got priorities and shit, and they don't want to figure out where I fit. Because they can't tell, they got other people who are sending in resumes where they worked in shit like this, mm-hmm. where they did specific shit for this in college, and then they see a banker and they're like, all right, we don't no, to. No, if
0: it wasn't perfect, then it was exactly. work.
1: So I was trying to get across industries, and then I finally started to get some feet in the door, February 2020, and then the pandemic hit. So I did some media work in January, and I was trying to figure out what the fuck am I going to do? And it involved, it involved like some interviewing, and I was I was at an event to do it, and at the end of doing a couple interviews in front of I didn't even realize it, but like forty people who were just out there watching late at night. At the end, people were coming up to me left and right, like, "Bro, do you have a podcast?" And I'm like, "What the fuck am I gonna do with a pod? No, I don't have a podcast. Like, get the fuck out of here." But they kept on saying it, and they weren't the first people who had said this in the past, but for some reason. It was the day Kobe Bryant died. I was feeling a certain type of way. It had been a weird day. And I drove home. It was like a an hour and a half, two-hour drive home. And I drove home in silence. My life was in flux. I had had a lot of ass-kicking on the job trail at this point. And I was just like, fuck it. I have no plan. But if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I need to learn this shit. I know nothing about a studio, but I need to like be able to build something like that. So I'll make it a side hobby and start figuring it out. And I would do that late at night and on the weekends over the next month and a half... And about a week before quarantine, I hit the enter button on ordering, I guess, like 80% of what would be the equipment. And so then the market is taking a shit. Everything's happening day to day. I'm still working. So, like, you know, we're in DEFCON 5 mode. I forget that I did that. And so day one. Like legitimately forget? Legitimately legitimately forget. Legitimately forget I ordered everything because, like, the world was a shit show in the week leading up to that. And so the first day of quarantine, March 13th, That Friday, Friday the 13th, I get a notification, your Amazon delivery's downstairs, and I'm like, oh, fuck. I go down, I get all these boxes like a jerk-off. I put them on my couch, open them up, and I'm like, what the... This was the... Of all the shit you've done, Julian, I've done some dumb shit. I'm like, this is the dumbest fucking thing you have ever done in your... What the fuck are you going to do with this? And then I just kind of looked at it, and I realized all my jobs that I had made headway in, finally... They all dried up that day. They were gone because the pandemic was hitting. And I was like, that's a sign. Like, this is really stupid, but fuck it. And I just never thought about it. And so my lease ended during this whole time. I came back home to South Jersey. I was living up by New York and North Jersey. And I just kind of started building. And I just got consumed with it. And just, there is so much I thought about in setting it all up that was so detail oriented, it's sickening. But I'm very glad I didn't I got so caught up in that that I didn't think enough about everything that could go wrong. Cause I could have like any other human being talked myself out of it. And I just never did that. And I my idea was like, oh, I just wanted to talk with people and get different perspectives. What was I good at in my last job and what did I enjoy? Getting out there and talking with people and building relationships. Now I'll just do it on a camera. What sucks is I always wanted to be the guy behind closed doors who no one fucking knows about, you know, making deals. Like, that was my idea in college? I'm like, well, that, that's going to be hard because I'm on camera now. Like, that's kind of impossible. And so, again, that was something I just compartmentalized and didn't think about because I would talk myself out of doing it. Like, fuck that. I don't want anyone to know who I am. And I just – I'm not – you know, I'm a small podcast right now. But the idea that, like, some people know who I am is – if I sit there and think about that alone, it gets weird because I'm like, that's just not my style. But, you know, in the modern day world, I guess there are some things you can still do behind closed doors. Certainly some jobs like that, but that doesn't overlap with what I'm passionate about. And so I guess you have to accept the fact that like, yeah, you do a podcast some people are, if you're actually successful, some people are going to know who you are and you just got to live with that. But no, I was not, wasn't this grand plan of like, I'm going to do this, and people are going to know my name because I'm going to talk about X, Y, and Z. I was like, ideally, every guest I had, and I knew this wasn't going to happen, would just be someone who I just started off, and they started going, and people could hear what they say and judge for themselves. What do you think I'm doing right now? Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, you're active. You're talking. That's how no, a conversation yeah. works. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the same way in what I do. And then sometimes I'll have a podcast where someone basically, I don't know what's going to happen, but they come in and they interview me. And then I got to talk most of the time. And you better be okay with that, you know? So I I kind of fell into it in a lot of ways. And I guess I'm good at having conversations with people because of my life training. You know, I'll leave that up to other people to decide. But that's all it was, you know? I, I'm like, well, maybe if I wear a hat <laughs> at all times on camera... If I ever get big, I can walk into a Wawa without a hat and people won't know who the fuck I am. Like, that's kind of my saving solace with the whole thing. But who knows? I I don't know.
0: Is there anything that you've taken from this podcasting experience that, I mean, I I assume it's probably multiple things. But is there anything that stands out to you that you had no idea was going to happen or a realization that you had before this?
1: everything I ever figured out in it if you would have told me if you would have told me a year ago when I was six seven months in and already making short form content if you would have told me a year ago your entire marketing and awareness of this podcast on the audio and then even on video is going to be run through short form content Online And that short form content is going to be, say, like 30 or 45 second clips that are going to take you a minimum of 15 hours and sometimes as much as 30 or 35 hours. I would have laughed my ass off at you and said, get the fuck out of here. But that's where we are. You know, like there's and that's one example. Mm. It's a million things you figure out along the way. You also get better at your craft. You know, you do it over and over. Now I've talked on camera with people for 300 hours or something like that. You know, that's not a ton, but it's, it's a, it's a good amount. You know, those are all three hour sessions too. It's not like 20 minutes here and there. So uh, you, you're constantly finding new things. You're constantly finding better ways. I I couldn't have told you 90% of the shit that I'm at right now, but I did set up basic things i got the basic controllable things right right away that had nothing to do with me or anyone else who was sitting in my seat it was just the stuff like the production and the quality right and then it's the rest of the quality is are you any good i guess i had to figure that out but you know the stuff that was at least the first day one in your control that you could have correct i think i checked those boxes because i didn't focus on anything else it's all i was worried about and then the rest of it was just being natural and you know you're gonna get me for better or worse there's a lot of negative to me I'm sure but like
0: it's honest and like, how often do
1: you release once a week always guaranteed yeah I've never missed a week
0: so you're at every week for 89 weeks or whatever you're at right now. yeah
1: I'd launched 10 episodes to start all at once because I had what to- do you mean
0: on one day yeah, when
1: I launched the podcast, That's, I put out I put uh, out 10 because I thought, oh shit, I'm going to have to do like 30 episodes <laughs> solos until people are going to agree to come in here, which I I hate solo podcasts. You
0: think yeah, but and and then you and then now it's like you have a As many people as you want to come in there. To
1: my surprise, when I released the 10, two of them were actually guest podcasts. One of them was my cousin who we had been making music in there throughout the summer. So she was already there and I just rolled the cameras one day. So that didn't really count as far as like getting someone to come in. But the other one was someone, my friend Terrence Jones, who did a phenomenal job. And I'm like, well, maybe that'll at least plant the idea in people's heads. The minute I dropped though, I had like people who I respect a lot hit me up like, yo, I will come in. And I was like, whoa. So I had already plotted out, like, I think I even filmed, like, three of the next four that were solos. So I put those out, and then immediately at episode 16 went to guest... I did episode 15 was requested by people. So I did something that they asked for, which was like, who the fuck
0: are you? So, uh, so let me stop you at episode 15 or 16. What's the audience looking like? Is it just your oh, Instagram? There's nobody. Dude,
1: there's nobody. Okay. You, you have 25 people, right? Yep. And I'm saying, when I say people were asking for, I'm saying like 10 people mm-hmm. were asking for it, of which I guess like, uh, probably six or seven of them I knew previously. Did
0: you gain traction before the TikTok and then, and the clips no. and all that? so nope. was it stagnant like, That's and, the thing. and when, what episode Like when? episode
1: 16 I got someone to come in and I never looked back the only time I've ever had to do a solo episode since then was in November I got COVID for two weeks and I don't miss a week I,
0: I, I did a solo because I had somebody Um, no, and by the way this is completely fine but I, it was actually my fault I didn't send them the episode and then once I was like hey it's going out and they're like whoa 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 and then I couldn't oh. release it so d- another never happened to me in three well, and a half ne- years
1: I don't ever agree to that no one can get sent the episode before
0: and you uh, come in there you sign yeah.
1: the release mm-hmm. that's it it's out you know and that, yeah. i yeah. maybe maybe that's something
0: you can take moving uh, no, forward i have the release now yeah, yeah. No, no 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 dude i was i was being nice right and, and
1: no I, I i think that was the right yeah. thing to do if someone yeah. asked
0: but cuz i don't want somebody I having never, their stuff yeah. out there that doesn't want it.
1: i never had that happen mm-hmm. luckily i guess knock on wood and you know, I got guests over and over, but I didn't get an audience until April. That was the first time I hit an audience. April because of this? Or last
0: year? Of 2021. Got
1: it. Because I started making short clips in mid to late February 2021. I started to- TikTok? Yeah. Cool. TikTok only.
0: How did stay- you know, t- how'd you watch YouTube videos? Did you call somebody? Did you have no, I just started okay. making them.
1: yep. I've, I've never had someone touch- You're just like, all right, they have to
0: be vertical. No one's
1: ever clicked a button yep. on my podcast. That's not me. But I I, I did I was, market I did market yeah. research, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, well, what works? And that includes like bullshit skit videos. Why do people stay on this? And now I look That's at shit's
0: hard, dude. I've tried to make funny skits. It's, it's ho- hard. It's dude. very hard.
1: Now I look back at stuff, and I can't even like I would never in a million years put it out, including stuff. Once I went to split screen video, oh, yeah. like stuff I put out that went viral and. August. I would never dream Mm -hmm. of putting that out today. It was awful, right? Compared to what I now know. You're always going to be like that, though. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's when I started to build an audience, and then once I hit YouTube in late November, early December, where they started to take my content, that was a game changer. That sent a lot of people to Apple, Spotify, and it built an audience on YouTube for the first time.
0: Was it obvious that quality was important to you early? A thousand percent. Because that seems like the main principle that you 100%. started with. So, but I think a lot of people don't take, I think they take the approach of, hey, you get what you get. Like, uh, this is what I can do. No, nope. You were into and, and and all around, in in my opinion, and, and you have to, listen, you have to agree to yourself. Not that you have to listen to three hours at one time, but you no. have to have, you have to at least sit down for like 30 to 60 minutes to really start getting into this conversation. And so some people can't go there. And that's yes. no fault of their Oh own.
1: yeah, that's a de- separate conversation. For sure, 100. percent You're going after but, um, a certain segment.
0: Yes, yes, and but when you have three hours, people can just look and it says three hours. But there's a lot of work that goes into creating conversation, making sure you know, sure. knowing the guest, you know, doing your intimate.
1: There's a lot of work that goes into research. Anything. So the
0: quality, I get the point I'm trying to make here. Saying too many words is that the quality isn't just your clips. It isn't just your full form videos. Right. It isn't just your audio. It's everything. It's everything. Yes. And yeah.
1: that's and that's critical. I want...
0: But where did that come from, though, the quality thing? You just... did. You I'm, just... A
1: belie- I'm a believer in great work. I'm a Got perfectionist. Yeah. I have OCD for sure. Good. It and helps in this business, I'll say it that. It does. Yes. And it's like, if it ain't right, it ain't right. Yeah. Even if no one knows it's not right, I know it's not right. But
0: the problem is, too, if it isn't right and then you can't f- have figure out how to make it right, then it's like, it might as well not exist. It's like... And that's a problem.
1: People can get so caught up in stuff that they're not willing to try things. There's a difference. That you can't do. Did you
0: find yourself in those situations? No.
1: When I get into those situations where I'm starting to lean that way, Mm -hmm. I hit the enter button and I make sure I can't stay there and yeah. I put something out and yeah. I'm like yeah. sink or swim So or it's out. like
0: music man you gotta you don't the, every song is 80% done like there's no 100% there's 100% yes. that, because you agree that this is 100% you
1: will the content you put out today if you're at the top of your game you will find something wrong with it three years from now. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan could watch tape of himself in 1993 watching it in 1997 and be like I would never do that yeah. today. Yeah. It's just a product of constantly getting better at things and that's all I look to do and so like yeah I am very respectful of people's time when they are in a feed if they are holding a phone where they see a short clip they have a trigger finger it's about that far mm-hmm. from the screen if you're looking right and the right phone there. knows where your finger all right are. and your your thumb is right above the screen and it takes maybe about 0.1 or 0.2 seconds to get to screen and flip mm-hmm. and flick and unlike a youtube video or some sort of mid-form video where they click and decide they're going to watch this so they've already invested based on the title thumbnail whatever it is with a short fee whether it be TikTok or youtube shorts or even an it's instagram board it's just there it's a billboard it's just there they didn't pick it it's based mm-hmm. on their interests of what they're most likely to engage with yep. they probably have never seen you before if you're not big and you have a quarter second to get their attention in some way and every time you spend a quarter second the long enough time for their brain to be like oh i'm getting bored They hit that trigger, and that hurts you when they hit that trigger. So I make my content through the lens of not just what I find out works, which I'm constantly finding new things that work, but how do I keep them completely hooked in a way that they go, even if they weren't interested in the clip itself, they're like, what the fuck is this? Mm. You know? And then it's up to them if they want to make a choice. I assumed my funnel was going to be .00001 funnel from checking out short clip to an actual clip or three zeros not four but either way very small and you're trying to
0: drive them to an audio play or a video play
1: now it's just whatever they want yes for a while it was just audio from TikTok but I would drive them to YouTube so they'd have to go to audio where it says I'm on Spotify and Apple anyway so they could see there was a full production behind
0: it well now let me ask you this okay so you're on this listen man I think you have these clips pretty dialed you have some pretty vibe you have videos where I show people your videos and they say yeah I saw that already that's, that's crazy. Cool. The 10 million, the one with 10 that's million or whatever cool. on TikTok. Yeah. Um, and these are people who really understand the production, too. And uh, and also people who did not become fans. And it's because they're, you know, they just saw the video, one video, and that was it. Or at least not in the first. I assume because, that's but this 99.999% of people. Marketing, seven, yes. it takes seven touch points, et cetera. Exactly. So they'll find something that they like. Um, but what what are you doing now and, and what's next? Is this just continue to make these clips? Is there anything on the on your mind currently in terms of podcast world and I'm going for people listening. This is, I know this is a little bit of my world, but I know I
1: know the people, uh, I don't need to get into that whole thing right now. I know the types of people who listen to this podcast and I, I know and they're across a spectrum as well, like in how they think and stuff. You know, I take a lot of pride in that I have people from across ideologies who come in and listen. I particularly Resonate though with the people who are true centrists or fuck this, you know type scenarios and aren't so much Tethered to one side or the other but yeah, do I do I have people who lean left and people who lean right who listen? Sure But what those people have in common is they like the conversation and they appreciate hearing different perspectives and so there's way more to it than that but I know who the types of people who are going to want to hear this are. And now it's a matter of just continuing to find ways to reach them where it gets to the point where they can't not check it out anymore. So, my favorite DMs or comments I get are from people like, yo, I saw your shit a while ago. And, you know, it's, I don't check out stuff when I see it, but like, I'd keep seeing your shorts and I finally checked it out. And, yo, your pod is fire. And I hear something like that. And I'm like, oh, there's that six touch point thing. Like, that's what it is. So my matter is figuring out how I'm like, it's not just, you can't think like, oh, I want to get views. That's a huge mistake. You need to think, why does someone want to see this? And then yes, you should get views out of that. It's one of my favorite comments from like the, the fucking jerk off like people out there who just your comment section it.
0: is entertainment by the way oh it's
1: so f- I love I love all the con- I love it's usually like seventy five percent negative I love that shit but my favorite ones are when people like are like you're just trying to get views and I'm like yes mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Hold, hold on a minute at the end of the day one thou- you're trying to rip me saying that comment one thousand percent that's what I'm trying to do. You show me a content creator who goes out there and says, you know what? I want to make some content that I want it. And they're trying to make it. I, I want to get the least amount of views possible. Or, you know what? I want to get less views for sure. Mm. You show me that person and I will show you a fucking liar. Mm. You should be, the, the whole concept of getting views is you did something right. You gave people utility besides the people who put up something horrible that they get trolled for online and get shared everywhere so people can come in and hate bullshit yes besides we can, that, we can
0: put these outliers to the side right
1: but you did something that provoked thought and if you do it on a consistent basis it means you're making good shit mm-hmm. and so yes i thousand when, when i do when i have periods where i do lower views it's cuz i suck and that's how we're going to fix that mm-hmm. and we're going to fix it by people getting views because i don't suck anymore like that comments like that are hilarious and they're also a huge help i appreciate them because they add to engagement love that but like you have to you constantly have to be adjusting and like if you're going to put out public content it's just a, it's a conversation that i seem to be having all the time where people are talking about this like yo, how do you deal with the negative shit i'm like i love that shit and they're like why and i said i'm like
0: Engagement. Yeah, but I talk to these people. It mean, it means, I don't know who they think that they think they are. But I talk. I just have conversations with these people.
1: I, dude, that's it, it's like that's all I do. They convert I, to listeners. I'll send a, exactly. I'll send <laughs> like them.
0: Most home. of them become like fans. They, they follow exactly. me exactly. It's, it's amazing like,
1: for whatever reason they think you're not going to respond. Dude. Exactly, they think you're like insecure or something like they are like you're in a glass house or something yeah they put it out there and i'm like all right man yeah bet like i'll turn around people all the time like yo can you send me they'll rip me for like an opinion someone had like me or a guest i'll be like yo actually i'd love to read that paper can you send that and i'll i'll at least go scan it and then Mm -hmm. they're like they'll convert sometimes yes and like i'll sit honesty yeah exactly the people who like rip you with like Awful words and shit like that. I send them hearts. I say like you're oh, a, you're dude. a light upon this world. I love that yes. shit, but there is a real problem with content creators who take that shit personally. They gotta stop. These people aren't real. I mean, honestly,
0: like half yeah, but of your them. Your clip, Julian, isn't real. It's clipped and created. It's yeah. not. It's an amalgamation of something that happened in reality that was then put into a video and audio form to make you feel a certain way and take an action. So you're judging that based I would on say your.
1: I would say diff, it, it is real because it's taken from something that happened for sure. But, but I'm saying
0: like they're judging you. They're trying to judge like your like opinions based on a 37 second yes, thing. That's and that's it's what not, you're it's. It's yeah. social media as a whole, and I won't go into the whole thing itself. But it's people judge their true feelings on people's created realities.
1: Yeah, I don't want to overcomplicate it. I want to stay with the overall point you had Good at point. the front there. You are, especially in short content, you have to accept the fact that you are dumbing down Mm -hmm. the issue to 30 seconds. Good luck not being taken out of context on that. I build that in. And I assume I'm like, yo, if enough people can see my intention, even if they wildly disagree when they see it. We're in business. Yeah. Like if you don't have haters, you don't have lovers. Right? But
0: I think you should. I think the goal and yeah, like you said, content creators don't like people at least who start. I'm not looking for the 80%. I'm looking for the 20 or less. I'm creating for the 20 or less or the 10 or less. I just like I need like the point is to segment. Like if you I don't like this, I mean, yeah, then that's good. Like you don't need to like it. I'm doing it for people who would do feel something about right. it,
1: right? And I don't want to. I'm not one of these guys who likes to trade on pissing people off. I don't. We don't yeah. do that. I don't have on. I haven't had on. Knock on wood. Any guests who really do that. We we have conversations and yeah. they happen over three hours. And I take mm-hmm. it down and I put it into a little clip. So like yep. we do our best. If I miss, I miss, and I'll say, yeah, I think I missed, yeah. or like, oh, you changed my mind, you know. And there, that happens all the time. Yeah. I we have. Put a emphasis on ripping people for changing their mind. Mm-hmm. Now, you want to rip Andrew Yang for fucking jumping to the next green grass every five seconds after he loses again? Fair. He does that all the... F- he's, I mean, the guy's a proverbial loser at this point, and I, I hope I'm wrong, but I think he's a grifter. That's different. When we are talking about people who just... They are presented with better evidence, they acknowledge that, and they say yeah, you know what? I think this now. Here's why. That's different. We should celebrate that. That's happened all that. You know how much shit I've been wrong about or my even my guests have been I, wrong about way, on my podcast? I
0: appreciate your corrections.
1: Holy shit, man. We, we once defended Andrew Cuomo for like a half hour on my podcast. You can go run the tape, episode 17.
0: We've never made a fucking correction. Fucking so <laughs> hilarious.
1: Right? Like, Not I don't... Yet. I, if Not yet, Trey. If we're wrong... We're wrong.
0: Yep. But, like, 100%. that's what makes
1: it open and human. Yeah,
0: but, but you're not going in saying I'm right. That's the thing. Yeah. And people they, are trying to – people would judge you thinking that you think you're right. I don't think – I don't, don't know. believe what I said. I don't know. I might tell you about what I said today that I was wrong yesterday. Okay.
1: I try to re- – if I can remember it was said differently. There's some yeah. things I'm sure I don't remember that are smaller or whatever. But, like, if I'm like, hey, I think we said this differently, I'll point it out and I'll try to hit the photographic memory and figure out exactly – which episode and what spot it was at and if i can remember that i'll say it you know like you're not god damn we have such an issue with people thinking they got to be right about everything or they should be right about everything that is a losing proposition we are all fucked up humans and we get shit wrong all the time even when we try our best to get it right Mm -hmm. if you are out there speaking about things that are happening in real time like i've given takes on the whole ukraine situation tonight you better be prepared to be wrong about shit. Maybe what I said about no fly zones will be a disastrous take. I don't think it will be. That one I feel somewhat strongly about with good evidence. But could be wrong, right? Like and if it's wrong, like I'm going to tell you I once advocated for no fly zones. But it is what it is, you know. I I appreciate the engagement of it a lot yeah. and I it makes me better too. It makes me know what people are like they hate Or like where I do have something wrong and then I'm like oh shit there's like a thousand people commenting this they're right about that like there is one episode I have that's a more popular episode where I'd say 90% of people 85 90% of people love it but I was self-conscious about one thing and I was right to be self-conscious about it for nitpickers and they're right where there was basically an issue with like me repeating myself on the front end of the episode and I knew it going in. And so when they called me on it in the comments and there was an army of people, I would send them full responses back. Yo, you're absolutely right. Here's why. And cite them all the evidence. And they'd be like, what? And I'd be like, no, no, here's why it happened. Doesn't make it right. I'm going to try to avoid that in the future. But I agree with you.
0: I could, you want me to give you a crazy one? What's that? I had a friend of mine on this podcast. He's a DJ. His name's DJ Brian Conklin. And um, he passed away a couple of years ago. And we were – he did an episode with me. Because I knew. I met him in a college class. He was just eccentric, dude. Like, you need to get him on a podcast. Like, one of those people you meet in reality and you go, I don't care what we're going to talk about. Just be on this podcast, you know? Right. So, I have him on the podcast early on. Eight, episode 8, 9, whatever. I was not good at this. And I don't claim to be good in, at it now. Um, and so, we were talking. We had plans to do the podcast like a few months later. Um, like a month after he passed. We had That's when we were planning on doing it. So, one of my first guest ever texted me and told me, hey, Brian passed tragically in a car accident. And um, so, you know, his family reached out, you know, they're like, thank you for the podcast. And I said, Listen, that channels not going anywhere. It's always on YouTube. You know, like, you don't got to go like, don't worry about it. Um, Download it like it's yours, you know, and um, his aunt, his brother, sister, whatever. There's people in the comments telling me how criticizing me about the interview. And I'm like, it doesn't matter what it is or what the weight of the situation is. You know, like, all I said back was, hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I tried <laughs> the yeah. best I could. So, it and, and I'm sorry to bring it on that. I'm sorry to take it there. But it, it is an example of, like, I just don't, I I don't, I don't, and I don't blame these people. Um, yeah, they didn't for the context that. of that. Um, no, but these are people that knew him that then listen oh they
1: did and then they still
0: said that this is people that knew him were um were wanted to i posted a clip it got thousands of views his mom shared it everybody shared it because i wanted to pull a clip from the episode because i did a whole dedication to him and then people who knew him listened to that watched it on youtube and then made points about how i didn't let him talk and how i wasn't a good interviewer and i said i agree like this was episode nine like this is two years later. Like it's different now, you know. But, but in that context, um, it made me realize that it doesn't matter how you can't be like. It, it, there's nothing you're you can't gonna be get shit. Wrong yeah, you're gonna get you shit wrong. If you're doing it in this format, you're gonna get it wrong.
1: Any format, any yeah, format, any format. True. You're gonna get shit wrong, and you better be able to be very honest about what those things are. You have to have a crazy good in anything, crazy good bullshit meter of what's real and what's not you will have people if you listen to every point of criticism and tried to change it go jump off a bridge because it's not possible Mm -hmm. it means there are going to be there are going to be strengths that other people they don't like that and they want it to be different like someone who says yo can you make this podcast 20 minutes they can go fuck themselves i'll do it for them you know what i mean like no disrespect but like there's you're other not,
0: people that You're will. not my
1: you're not my target audience. Mm-hmm. You're never gonna be. I don't give one fuck about you. Yeah, agreed. That's what Me it is. Too. Whereas someone who comes in like that interview I was talking about mm-hmm. and says, Yo, you were repeating yourself in that first hour like crazy. They're a thousand percent right. I was actually that was one I was already thinking about, but there's other examples of stuff where I didn't even think of it. And people come in and then I look at it and I'm
0: like, Motherfucker. They're right. As hard as it is sometimes, don't you think that it's a great self-awareness tool?
1: Oh no, I, I don't think it's that hard. I think you. I think the minute you start thinking your product's great, you're, it's over. I think you. I operate every day as if I have zero listeners and I suck dick at this.
0: But if you stop operating that way, that's when the agreed the pillow you're on like a cushion now. There's a
1: quote from I think Hagler said it. The great fighter, he's like, it's really hard to get up and train at 4 a.m. in silk pajamas when you're sleeping in silk pajamas. It's very easy to do it when you're sleeping on a cot. That reality of once you start reaping the benefits, you start to lose the drive and the hunger. I'm so self-aware of that. It's crazy. And I haven't reaped the benefit. I'm poor as fuck. Like, I'm trying to build here. I'm a small little podcast. But, like, I, I beat that into my head every day. I beat it into my head every fucking day. There was a story that Bloomberg did in 2013 in like February or March on Samsung. And they, it was the story Kochi, I really just fucked that up, but whatever the fucking guy's name is, Tread, if you can pull that up, Lee Cho, this is already racist, I'm sorry, but, you know, like amazing leader, right, of Samsung. His father died, maybe this is like 88, 89, something like that. Hmm. Samsung was, and he took over, Samsung was strictly like a parts company. They built, like, the chip inside your TV and shit like that. And so a couple years in, he decided to go on a world tour of all their locations and just study what's going on. And when he was halfway through this tour, maybe, like, three, six months in, he said, stop. He was in Frankfurt, Germany, and he said, call a meeting of all senior-level executives above a certain level. They must be here this weekend at this random fucking hotel I'm at i I'm going to rent out the full like audience hall or whatever the fuck it is. And if they're not, they don't have a job on Monday. I don't care if their mother's dying, they're going to show up. And this guy called a meeting where he basically just talked at them. There was no like back and forth. He just gave speeches, which is not the best way to do it. But he did it for three days based all day long, based on everything he had seen. So that's where I'll defend him. Like he was going off of this long study he had been doing. And he changed, he said, there's no reason why we shouldn't be making these products ourselves, number one. And number two, we are complacent as a company. From now now on, from this day forward, our theme is chaos. Every single day is chaos. We assume that we are losing every bit of ground we've had and our company is going to end tomorrow if we don't operate that way. And so they were they then grew into this company that became the biggest like parts or biggest actual like product provider in the world within 20 years Because that was 1993 when he did that I think we can check that but you know they did that operating from chaos and I was like a senior in high school or something like that when I heard this and I was like yo or freshman in college something like that I was like yo that's it that's how you don't lose the drive you assume you have nothing and you always operate off that. And so that's what I do, you know? And I I don't spend, even when I had at least income, I didn't, I live paycheck to paycheck, but I don't spend money on shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just building. And and that's how you keep that mentality,
0: I think. It works for me. Julian Dory. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Dude, this was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, we have like an extra 90 minutes in there that got yeah. fucking
0: deleted. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> I'll take responsibility for that. It's my podcast. No, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Shit happens. Um, thank you for for bearing with us, man. I really appreciate it. Um truly. Uh, and uh so, so from somebody who is a podcaster, uh I I that's why I was for people listening, that's why I was it was so exciting uh to have you on, man, because I I know that you know this grind and it's and it's one of those things, man. You just don't know it till you do it. And I just yeah, think it's like that anything. it's yeah. like anything. Yeah. hundred percent. And there's just those things that you don't even think about, man. So when I saw your podcast and I saw your content and I saw when you told me, I sure I was surprised at 15 to 30 hours for a video, but once I actually not just watched your videos, but I looked at your videos, I examined, I paused them, right? I determined because I think about what I do and then what that takes. And, um, I respected the, the, just the sheer quality, um, Thanks, man. The, that 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 you have with your show. So I will link everything below your Julian Dory on Instagram, Trend of Fire on TikTok.
1: Yeah, you can write Julian Dory in there as well. It'll come up. Cool. And then I'm Trend of Fire on YouTube. So T R E N D I F I E R and that's really youtube has become far and away my main place it's,
0: and your videos are are fantastic too if anybody likes joe rogan style kind of conversational multi camera videos that's the type of stuff you ha- like it's it's high quality video it's not zoom interviews this is in an actual all in person po- all in person so. podcast studio and i should
1: i should yep. correct the record though i misspoke there YouTube has become my main place for the marketing content. Mm -hmm. It is still not my main place for the episodes. The episodes are Spotify and Apple heavy still. But we now have an audience on YouTube that does consume the episodes there.
0: Spotify, Apple podcasts, um, your Instagram account, and your TikTok account, all linked below if you're listening and watching right now. Julian, thank you for doing this, man.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you, Trent. Appreciate it,
0: brother. Thanks, Trent. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Bobcast. Please don't go anywhere. I do have something for you in the outro. And as always, you know, we're on all platforms, even the ones nobody uses. Julian, thanks for doing this, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Hey. Hey guys, it's Sully. I've been running this podcast for three and a half years now. I've interviewed over 80 people on the show in person and virtually. Um, It does take a team to run this. We have four people working on this on a weekly basis. The only thing I ask of you is if you could please follow or subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. So whatever that is, Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, whatever that is, please do subscribe and follow on those platforms. What that does is it will automatically download the episode for you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and the other platforms as well, it will notify you when the episodes come out. So we release every single Monday. So just so you know, 6 a.m. on Monday, every Monday, every week, no stopping, guaranteed. So if you could just follow us or subscribe on those platforms, that would mean the world to us so we can keep this podcast going, grow the audience so we can have better guests, better content for you guys. So thank you so much for tuning in and listening and hearing me out here at the end of this episode. I will see you on the next one. All right, peace.